All right, and we're back for another episode of the Department Podcast with Justin, Jesse, Steve, and Joe. Last episode, it was just me and Joe talking about the MLB trade deadline. Steve and Jesse, you guys are back from your trip to San Diego after yes. the Padres also inquired about your rights as well. But now we're shifting gears and moving to the NBA, talking about the bubble, talking about the playoffs. But our lead story, which came out of nowhere two days ago or yesterday, really, by the time we are recording this, and that is Hall of Fame guard, essentially, Steve Nash, is the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. No one saw this coming. There were no rumors. It came out of nowhere. I woke up, saw Woj tweeting about Steve Nash, the Nets. First reaction, I thought he was coming out of retirement to get his ring finally. So, okay. But really, this could go one of two ways. Initially, you think Jason Kidd and that it could go horribly wrong like Jason Kidd. Or it could be Steve Kerr. That's the other end of the spectrum. It's really all Nash has to do is just manage the egos of his players, and they should be fine. When, when the Brooklyn Nets were hiring a coach, there was one box to check on the criteria. Will Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving sign off on it? And the answer was yes. You wanted a third star in Brooklyn. It's not a player. Not a player yet. Yeah. (laughs) Not a player yet. I mean, we'll see. We'll get to that. Double duty? Steve Nash. What a hire for the Brooklyn Nets. I know a lot of people are going to hate it. A lot of inexperience. I'm looking at Tyron Lue. I'm looking at Nick Nurse. I'm looking at Steve Kerr. First year, they brought a championship back home. And I think that this Steve Nash hire has absolutely the potential to raise something to the rafters in Brooklyn. So my, my favorite part, well, okay. I have a lot of favorite parts. (laughs) This All right. Number one, first thing I thought of, okay. What's Jacques Vaughn doing? Jacques Vaughn is staying on as the highest paid assistant coach in the league for at least another year. And that's fine. Huge, huge win. Huge win there. Um, Number two, I was looking at the Nets had this deal pretty much done in May. That's four months ago, and not nobody leaked Nash as even a potential name for four months. I mean, I was I was fully on the Greg Popovich bandwagon, which they also discussed in May, um, and then ended up deciding to go with Steve Nash, which I mean to me. I, I love everything about this because as Justin said, you need a guy who's going to balance personalities. And if anybody is, you know, Oh, well, Nash is so inexperienced. Yeah. I'm really sure Steve Nash doesn't understand the game of basketball because he's a two time MVP and was a point guard, you know, for Steve a seven Nash, seconds offense. Steve Nash knows, first of all, the point guard position better than anybody else that they could have possibly hired. Yeah. And Steve Nash knows personalities. Steve Nash has a reputation as a guy who is sort of really good on the psychology end of basketball. And that's what it's all about. And also, you can't forget, I mean, we could praise it for the Kyrie Irving aspect, but Kevin Durant and Steve Nash have a relationship. Steve Nash was involved in Golden State uh, for a few years. He worked with Kevin and I think that this is a slam dunk hire. 
and I great for Steve Nash because he's going to be able to walk into a situation where, I mean, how much easier can it get for a coach? Yeah, I think he's the right fit too because he is a good moderator. He has dealt with these larger-than-life personalities before. Like, you've seen him with Kobe. You've seen him with Shaq before. He can get a team together and get them to work on the same page to achieve the one goal, which is getting a ring. So I think it's the perfect hire, too. And like Jesse said, too, having um, Jack Vaughn back on the staff, too, for another year, the highest-paid assistant is just it's just like the icing on the cake right there. It's just – it's looking good. It's looking really good in Brooklyn. You have, a, like, two head coaches at that point. You have an associate head coach who works really well with yeah. Dinwiddie and Lavert and Jared Allen, and a lot of those guys really like him. And then you have Nash for Kyrie and KD, and then also helping with the other guys. Well, that's, I, that's what I was about to say, that he that's, is – Nash is the coach of, of the two superstars, and Jock Vaughn is the Jared Allens. The Jared Allens. Well, that's almost the best way to de- – to balance it you have your developmental coach who can manage you know the rest of the team and then nash can just handle the superstars because that way then he can focus all his time and energy on getting making them happy and game planning around them and just focusing all his attention on them because really that's all superstars want is the attention on them and making sure they're taken care of as well as the team winning well and that's kind of what the clippers are doing as well with doc rivers mostly i think speaking on Kawhi and Paul George and Tyron Lue kind of covering the rest of the team. Um, I, I love this hire. The only hot, the only coach I think that could have been better was probably Popovich, but we don't really know his availability. We don't know how much longer he wants to coach. If Nash works, you have a coach for the next 10, 15 years. Plus, Popovich, yeah. Popovich is probably, you know, going to be on his way out necessarily in the next probably, I would say, two to three years. Well, it This almost gives like, you stability throughout. If they brought in Pop, you're almost tying them to the contracts of Kyrie and KD. And once they're done, mm-hmm. you then know, you, you would do it just falls apart again. And restart. Yeah. Nash, like you said, he could kind of go into that Kerr era where they're, you know, they had a season of rebuilding, you know, where they lucked out and got the second overall pick with, you know, Curry and, and Clay being down. But Kerr's going to be at Golden State at this point for as long as he wants. Yeah. You know, like he earned his right to be there. And Nash very well could earn his right to be the Nets coach for however long. Long time. I think he's going to yeah. be there for a long time. From, from past KD, past Kyrie's time in Brooklyn, whenever they either they leave or they retire, I think he's – Brooklyn in and out. That's it. Not nothing. Nothing else. Just Brooklyn. Here's where I think, and I'm going to parallel them to the Milwaukee Bucks right now because the Milwaukee Bucks. One, well, we'll we'll get to them later on. But a lot of the focus right now is on coaching in Milwaukee, and a lot of the focus right now is on the fact that Milwaukee doesn't truly have a closer. And with Brooklyn right now, I think Steve Nash. If anyone's going to put his team in a position to get a bucket at the end of the game, it's going to be Steve Nash. Well, and, and as of right now, the Nets have four closers on their team. That's That was my Dinwiddie, next. Dinwiddie's <laughs> a closer. Lavert is a closer. Kyrie is one of the most clutch players of all time. Kyrie is a closer. closer. And Kevin Durant is also, you know, a seven-foot three-point shooter. So. And that was my second point to <laughs> pose them to the Milwaukee Bucks. Coaching, closers. That's what I think puts them at the top of the East next year. You know, and the Steve Nash hire, it kind of continues the trend that we've seen in baseball a little bit more. 
people with no coaching experience are just giving the keys to franchises who are ready to go just to be a leader rather than knowing the X's and O's and, you know, building their resume, you know, look at like Nick nurse. He literally was a G league coach for the longest time, you know, and built and took his lumps that way. You know, Budenholzer took his lumps through, you know, the San Antonio organization. Eric Spolcher was literally an intern cutting film for the Miami heat for however long, you know, and those are all great coaches. And now we're starting to see people just step in like Aaron Boone, Carlos Beltran for like was supposed to happen. You know, people with no experience just going right into it. Well, it's communication. It's the guys. Yeah. And I, I don't like this narrative of there were other better coaches per se, because I completely disagree. If you told me I could take a flyer on Steve Nash or try to see if Tyron Lou works, Give me Steve Nash. If you told me I could take Steve Nash or Mark Jackson, that's not a question. Yeah. That's that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, it's almost like veteran players. You know what they like what they are after a while. Like you have enough tape on them that you know their play style. Same for coaches. Like you know what you're getting with certain coaches. And yeah, who knows what Sean Marks had conversations with, you know, pop behind closed doors. You know, we'll never know. Like if they said he's coming there, if not, how long he's gonna be there, et cetera, et cetera. But like you said, Steve Nash, if it doesn't work out, okay, it just didn't work out. But if you bring in a Tyron Lue or whoever at that point, you know, you know they aren't the best of coaches. And then the minute things start to go wrong, it'll blow up 10 times worse because they were a failed coach or a worse coach somewhere else. Yeah, I, th- I think the people that are complaining more are like old school basketball fans in a way, just thinking that it should be like a coach that actually coaches the team and not a player, but they need to learn how to adapt to the new style that former coach, former players are getting in the groove of being a coach in this league. It doesn't have to be some old 50, 60 year old guy who has studied basketball and has won NCAA division titles and all this crap. Who's been, in, who's been a coach since the 90s yeah, yeah, and who, still has and hasn't won anything, it, it, but is exactly. still a coach in the league. Instead, you get a player who knows the game inside and out, knows the psychology of the game, knows about the players, the players' emotions, and everything involved in that. And you get that as your head coach. I think that's just as good or even better, honestly. And really, well, and Nash has connections to Brooklyn. Him and Marks were in Phoenix at the same time. Mm. I mean, they they talked. They're friends. They they have a good relationship together. So, as far as I'm concerned, this this hire from out of nowhere makes the most sense out of anything that was that could have been in play. And really, for me, you know, I, I said earlier, you know, could I go one of two ways: Jason Kidd or Steve Kerr. <laughs> oh god you know it could be you know steve kerr you know that's remained to be seen but i really don't think he'll hit jason kidd level of just disaster because uh, one kid was five months removed from playing at that point so he still had a player's mentality and he didn't know how to manage a team you know he knows how to yell at a team and get them you know for a quick bucket in a huddle but not anything further than that steve nash like we said earlier you know he's been around basketball for the five plus years since he's retired you know, with the Warriors organization, like I think he was like a player development coach or something. Like he was staying in the game of basketball. So he was able to learn from a pretty good coaching staff and organization, you know, how to adapt to the current basketball like way and manage a super team. Yeah. And I think, I think Nash being removed from the game more than kid. And also I think being a different person when kid was the coach of the nets, I could feel it firsthand. It felt like kid wanted to be 
like in charge of everything. He wanted to be a star coach. He wanted to be on the front of the Sports Illustrated covers with the team. He he wasn't taking a backseat role, like and being like, yeah, no, it's important for these guys, you know, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. It's important to get those guys involved. But he wanted to make himself really big in that aspect. I don't see Nash doing that because that's not even who he was as a player. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Like he had to manage, you know, Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion, you know, (laughs) and he still took a back seat to it. And that team for all, it worked pretty well for that team. Granted, they didn't win anything, but you know, he was able to be, you know, blend into the background and the team had success. And win MVPs. Exactly. So, it was an out of nowhere move, but it was almost seems like it was the right move. And especially with Jack Vaughn, Jacques Vaughn still there, you know, obviously they got this, he got the stamp of approval from Kyrie and Irv and, you know, KD to keep him on the staff. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure if they didn't want him on the staff, he wouldn't be on the staff now. So no. yeah, no. good move for the Nets, honestly. Yeah. All around happy Love for it. them. That'd be nice. It's, cra- it's crazy what a good front office does for a team. Mm. it's just Mm. it's crazy Uh, if you have a good front office your team is always trying to get better and always trying to do new things i 100 percent agree i mean look at look at i mean i know we're going to talk about this but look at miami right now miami two years ago was looked at as like oh they're going nowhere fast they Mm -hmm. kept themselves flexible they kept draft they kept their nose to the grindstone drafting second rounders drafting high potential guys and developing them and now look, they're they're looking like they could be a championship contender. Yes, it, the most important thing in the NBA period is the front office. Any sport, any sport, yeah. I even say. So that let's point. stick with the Heat then. Oh, they're baby. up two zero on the Bucks after getting gifted a game. It seemed like. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm gonna stop you right there. All right, go for it, Clark. There, there was no gift here and there. The, the fouls in that game, both sides of the ball. This is coming from a Heat fan. Come both sides of the ball. It was insane. Like, against the Bucks, against the Heat, it, the refs were horrible during that game. It looked like that Jack game that you guys were on the call for. Jesse, I know, was on the call for, for sure. That Which one? There were about 50 of those. I'd say, what was that? Like, it was last year. Sometime last year. The really, oh, really the NJ, TCNJ. Yes, that one. Oh, wow. It looked like that. What a classic. <laughs> what a classic. <laughs> But back to better basketball, I guess. Um, it it was just back and forth. Like even the play before that. Let's just go to those last two plays of the game. You got the three point shot. Goran Dragic up there. It doesn't sniff him. Just has his arms up, and they call the foul on the three pointer. Yes, he maybe leaned an inch in, if that. But it, there was no need for a foul to be called there. I would agree then that. I guess, honestly, they, like, kind of had to do the same for the Heat in a way. They, I think they made up for the call. It was a make-up. They made up for what it. they did. Because when Jimmy Butler released the ball and Giannis lightly tapped him on his right hip, the ball was a good two feet ball, released from gone. Butler at ball that point. The ball was gone. You yeah. could have – Goldberg spear-tackled Butler, and it was not impacting the angle of the shot that it was going in or not. But it wasn't gifted just because of that previous play. If that previous play didn't happen before – that three-pointer that Goran Dragic didn't touch him. Then the Bucks aren't in it. 
Yeah. 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 Then I agree that they gifted the Heat. Oh, the Bucks aren't in it at all. You're right. Because then he hits all three. Um, because he hit all the three game. free throws and tied it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was just their way of making up for that. I don't think it was gifted, though, just because. But I think it was just a mess up. A, a makeup call is almost a gift at the same time because they don't have to. And they're trying it, it, to make it, it they right. They tied the game. It, I don't think it was a gift because it was. It was just a badly officiated game. Exactly. They exactly. didn't. They yeah. didn't know if they wanted to swallow the whistle or call everything. So and bad. I mean, yeah. if you want, if you want to say that they're gifting the Heat anything, I would look at Jimmy Butler's free throw numbers. That's the main argument you can make. But that's Jimmy Butler's game. That's what he's doing. He drives to so the basket and takes the hard foul. Yeah, because he's yeah, not a sure. good. Because he's not a good shooter. Exactly. So he, exactly. he has to get his points that way for the most part. Yeah. But I think it, it wasn't a perfectly officiated game by any means. And from an entirely neutral standpoint, because I, you know, my favorite team isn't either of those. I was just watching to enjoy the basketball. Um, it felt, it just felt like a badly officiated game. It felt like it could kind of go both ways. I felt like Miami was the better team and Miami won. So I can't really complain too much. No, I just think the refs need to kind of get on the same page. And there were too many fouls. If you watched the game from start to finish, there were it too many brutal. fouls called on the threes. Like I have oh, watched fouling basketball. jump shooters My, has like, been so bad this playoffs. But, they're calling but, it in the OKC Houston game. They're calling it in the Milwaukee uh, Miami series. They're calling it in the Clippers uh, Nuggets now. Yeah. They they need to they need to have a meeting about this. Yeah, like because I, they are oh. they are doing way too many fouls for jump shooters. In three, way too it many. was three pointers. Like during yeah. the Heat Bucks game, two game, it was like at least seven or eight fouls on three point shots. I've never seen that before in my life. That many in one game on just three pointers. Now, gifted or not for that win for the Heat, they won yeah. regardless. And it yeah. shifts the momentum drastically into the Heat's favor. You know, 2 0, not a big deficit to come back from, but it's definitely a deficit enough. If the Bucks lose this series, we very, series we very well could have seen, you know, that game two almost end the Bucks as we know it and potentially end Giannis's tenure with Milwaukee. Well, the Bucks, they can complain about the refs all they want, but there's no excuse to hold Jimmy Butler to 13 points and still lose. Absolutely ridiculous. There's no yeah. excuse for that. And the Bucks, the, the problem with the Bucks is that it's not with Giannis, and Giannis is, is certainly not great, and he needs to, he needs to take control of the game. Um, he's been very passive especially on defense blaming the coach and i love that um he really needs to to take control but it's the fact that they really didn't surround him with a legitimate star a regular season they're going to hit these shots very easily you know but you get into the playoffs you're going to need legitimate legitimate shooters and the bucks didn't do that and the bucks are to blame if Giannis walks Come on, but they gave him an all-star, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton is a fake all-star. I'm done with he's that. Not, I don't want to hear that. He's not real. I've I've been on that train since before this year started. Chris Middleton, sure, he's a nice regular season player. Is he maybe a regular season all-star? Sure, I guess in the way that DeMar DeRozan was kind of a regular season all-star. 
Like, it's not, you know, cool. He puts up some regular season numbers. But he doesn't really impact the game. And it feels like when an all-star is touching the ball and shooting, I shouldn't think in my head, oh, God, that's not good. Every time Middleton shoots in the bubble, I'm like, that's a, that's, no, that's not going in. Um, I, I want to go back to the quote that was said earlier in the week that Giannis needs a Jordan. I think it's the opposite. Giannis is the Jordan. He needs a Pippin, if we're being honest. He is the Jordan of his team. Uh, Joe, yeah. you're shaking your head right now. Tell me why you disagree with that. What Jordan had the ability to do is that when you needed a stop and when you needed a bucket, Jordan was there. Late oh, Giannis! The Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. Late in the game. Oh, okay. Finishing. Finishing. Mid-range that he can go to anywhere on the floor at but any time. Giannis isn't mid-range. Giannis is drive to the bucket and fine. And he's what happens in- when they build the wall? Well, that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing. The Bucks should be able to hit those shots considering they have shooters, why, but they number don't. One, number one, just because Giannis is in Jordan doesn't mean that he's terrible. Doesn't mean that I'm going to rip on him. Of course. Not of Jordan, course not. and for that reason. But number two goes back to my original point. It's the Bucks' fault. You can't surround him with without a facilitator. Not really a facilitator on that offense. Nothing really even remotely close to that. See, but the thing is, if Giannis is a quote-unquote Pippen, who, where can he go that he has a Jordan? I 100% he's agree better, with that. He's better. He's the best player on any team that you put him on. Literally besides, about to win back-to-back MVP. Literally. The Warriors. The war, he's, he, even he's better than you, everyone on the Warriors. He's better than everybody on the Warriors by Thank far you. right now. Yeah, he literally. By far. Far and away. Seth yeah. Curry's been around for a while, so I guess, you know, we'll see. But Okay, okay. All right, all right. The, all right. Steph Curry was showed up by KD, and at that point, we don't – KD could still maybe be better than Giannis. That was a legit discussion before. So, when KD comes back, we could have that conversation again. It, but as possible. of right now, Giannis is – you can't put him lower than top three. Can't put him lower than top one. Are you like literally? You can make the argument for Kawhi because he turns on in the playoffs. You can make arguments, but they're not true. Giannis, Giannis feels different because when most guys have been, you know, twenty five and are leading the number one team in the league, they've been to the playoffs numerous times before. Giannis hasn't, and he's never. (laughs) <laughs> and he's never led his team past the second round. And I mean, anyone you can say that for anyone on the Bucks roster except for maybe Kyle Corp. So at that point, are you guys almost writing the Bucks off against the Heat? Then, if I don't they think... lose tonight, if they lose tonight, it's, it's over. Done. It's done. I don't care if they win the next two after that. It's done. The Heat are going to get at least one of them after that. I mean, they're not Golden Whoever, State. I, I will say this: whoever wins this series is not making the finals. I say, I can mm, agree. I, I, think, I, I can almost agree with that too. Honestly, I think if either of these teams makes it to the finals, they're not winning if, it. If the, They're if the, definitely not winning it. If the Celtics advance, I'd say the winner of this series wins, but if the Raptors advance, Raptors are going all the way. Both teams cook them, I think. Mm. See, I think... I have more faith for, in the Raptors than the Celtics. For Miami, if Miami moves forward, 
the worst matchup for them is Toronto yeah. by far. But if Milwaukee moves forward and Boston moves forward, I think Boston is going to beat them because Boston has isolation scores. They have people who can hit mid-ranges. They have people who can close the game and also hit mid-ranges, you know, in the middle of the second quarter when you still need to be scoring. I, I like think... the Bucks just go on these huge lapses where it's like I feel like they haven't had a good shot in <laughs> minutes yeah. on minutes. I think – Toronto's almost a lock to get to the finals in a way then. If, no. Because no? they're going to be Boston. Wow, really? I mean, are we watching Are we watching two different series? No, no, we're watching the same series, but I don't count out Toronto. You just don't. They have a great team all around. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. They're one flukish inbound away from being down 3-0. I definitely would not call that a fluke inbound. That was a was pretty a great play set up by it's a Kyle once, Lowry. It's a once in about a, a one in a hundred. I mean, that's I mean, Toronto did that last year with Kawhi on the crazy mid range, and they ended up winning the finals. I, I wouldn't count out Toronto yet. I just wouldn't. I I would not count out Toronto, especially since they're probably the best coached team in the bubble. I also just I'm just not a fan of Boston's core. Like I don't think that's a championship team. You know, I think I think it could be a championship team maybe in a year or two, but I that, still do yeah. think they might be a little too young, especially but, if on the Western Conference side, it's LeBron and AD or Kawhi and Paul George. That Boston team, I think, would have a lot of problems. But I think you could say the same about the Heat. I think I was about to say that too, Joe. You could say about the Heat, you could say really about the Celtics. I, they, I agree. Uh, I, I disagree because the Heat have Bam Adebayo and the Celtics have Daniel Tice. <laughs> That's that's a pretty big difference that, for me. That's the one difference, but other than that, they're very, very similar. Well, I think the Heat play better team basketball, and the Celtics and better play defense, really good too. isolation. If yes. you see the Heat, the defense, Heat are much too. better defensive team. Yeah. Who has the best player on those two squads? Boston. Um, prob- Boston. probably Boston. Probably, probably Boston. Boston. It's usually what it comes down to with things. But like. but I think Boston has that's the not best what, player. That's not what it comes down to. I think Miami to. has the next best three. That's fair. That is fair. So that's not that what it comes can, down to because the Bucks have the best player best right now player, against the Heat. Yeah. And they're down 0-2. By far the best player in the series. Yeah. But then again, the Heat probably have the next best three. Best three. They have Jimmy. They have Bam. They have Gorin. They have Duncan Robinson. They have all those guys. It's chilling right there. Hmm. Well, the East is definitely a lot tighter and a lot different I, than we early. I said this a month ago. I said this a month ago. The East is going to be competitive and it's going to be fun to watch. Hey, guys, next what? year, the East is also going to have the Brooklyn Nets added in. That, 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 Nash. that is very true. That but, is very we true take, but would we sacrifice Miami for the Heat? What? Miami back next year if they lose their guy. You know what I'm saying? You might trade one. You might not, you're not, they're not trading Jimmy Butler. Not, Jimmy loves Miami. Miami Jimmy loves, loves Jimmy. Miami, yeah. yeah sorry, like, Milwaukee. I misspoke. Milwaukee. Milwaukee, okay. I um, think the only way Milwaukee trades Giannis is if he comes in and says, under sure. no circumstances, <laughs> absolutely none, we could win a championship. It doesn't matter. I'm leaving. It would have to be a Paul I George think, situation. Yeah, Literally, they would have yeah. to trade. They would still get much more back than – didn't you have something like some trade lined up that like it's like forty draft picks to get Giannis to Brooklyn somehow? Oh well, it was the only one that made that 
could happen to Brooklyn. I didn't make it. Matt Brooks made it. He's a great uh, Nets writer. Mm. He's, he's fantastic. He does all the trades and stuff. Um, I, I think Giannis plays next season with the Bucks. I and then he just goes free agency, plain and simple. I think that's it. I, if he goes, well, this is the thing. If he goes to free agency, there's gonna be a sign in trade. Because he's going to want his super max money. Of course, of course. And then he's going to want to be traded to another team because he's still going to want his money. Want his and the that can still then, you know, get at least something back. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about the OKC Thunder being just an impound, inbound pass away from re- almost taking out the Rockets as well as the Clippers and the Nuggets series. So stay tuned. We'll be All right, and we're back for the second part of uh, this episode of the Department Podcast. So before the break, we talked about the Bucks, you know, the East, Steve Nash going to the Nets, but we're going to transition over to the Western Conference. I want to start with the Houston Rockets-Oklahoma City Thunder Series. Coming into this season, a lot of teams, you know, had no faith in the Thunder. You know, Chris Paul's gotten there just to get, you know, out of Houston because James Harden didn't want to play with him anymore, basically. And, you know, he took them – to game seven and was literally one pass away from potentially sending them home from the bubble. Now, what really is the big question for the Thunder moving forward? Well, the biggest question that I can think of, especially now is, is Chris Paul going to be there at the start of next season? Because there were people who already thought, Oh, he's, he's not staying there for the year. They're going to trade him. They're going to trade him. Well, before, Chris Paul didn't really have any value because of his massive contract. I think at this point, with what he's done with Oklahoma City, he's played well enough that you would still have to give something up for him. You can't just say to Oklahoma City, we'll take on his contract, and that's pretty much all we're going to give you. I think now you have to at least add in a first-round pick to with some protections, but... I think he'd keep him, honestly. I think they should trade him. Really? His value is never going to be higher. He's on the wrong side of 30. He's getting 36. He's going to be uh, next season. There's only so much you can do with Chris Paul leading this team. I think this was their ceiling uh, with with Chris Paul as the major facilitator, uh, going seven games and maybe even cracking into the second round. But the question is... If they do get rid of Chris Paul, does Billy Donovan stay? Um, it's there's a lot of talk that he might want to leave, but I mean we'll, we'll we'll see what goes on in the off season. But I think they might shake things up. But I say I, I say you get a pick, a good pick for Chris Paul or two, and you you build around the all the young talent they got. Yeah, I, you swayed me a little bit. I I agree. Get younger a little bit with that. I was gonna say keep him because he he was a big part of this team. And he obviously contributed to their success during the season and postseason somewhat. But I agree now that you should trade him. I think get younger. Like you said, he's on the wrong side of 30, Joe. You did say that. Um, Get younger. Get at least a first round. Um, Yeah, get younger. The the thing is, especially now, I think there are, off the top of my head, at least two teams that – should at least call about Chris Paul. And that's 
the Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> if they decide that they're, you know, keeping the core, yeah. um, and the Milwaukee Bucks yeah. to try to help Giannis. Yeah, for um, sure. As, as far as I'm concerned, both of those teams should be on the phone gauging the interest immediately. The Chris Ball contract is still not a good one. It's never going to be a good one. Mm. But if he has another year like this year for Milwaukee or for Philly, that pushes them into Philly. It moves them up definitively into at least a second-round team, which you can argue if Ben Simmons is there, maybe they're a second-round team anyway. Milwaukee, it gives them a shot creator and a closer and who was statistically the best clutch player in the league this year. And that's what the Bucs don't have. I just feel like that's not enough for the Bucs in a it way. Is. It is. It is enough. It, it's it, enough if Giannis continues to improve. I, I, that's it's, not, it's going to force Giannis. I think it's going to make Giannis at least consider staying if they make this move and go all out for him next year. I, that, the main that, thing is if, if you're trading away – if you're the Bucks, and I haven't done the numbers on this, so I'm not positive this yet. Mm. But if you trade away, you know, Eric Bledsoe and some expiring contracts and, you know, a first-round pick, and that gets you Chris Paul, and you have Chris Paul, Giannis, Middleton, and you're still able to keep Brooke Lopez, I think you're good. You're, you're, are you still – are you better than Brooklyn if they're at full health? Maybe not. Are you better than – you know, Miami, probably. It definitely probably would probably get pushed to the second or first team. It'd probably put them, it would definitely put them over Toronto then. I would, if Giannis doesn't go to Toronto and stays in Milwaukee and Toronto just brings back this team, yeah, they are, they are better with Chris Paul than Toronto is. I def, definitely agree. I just don't see them clicking. I don't see Chris Paul taking like sort of like that backseat kind of role with Giannis as the main guy. Well, and he did it with Harden. He, he is. That's honestly that the Chris Paul ceiling is the best backseat guy you can possibly. He is. He's a but great number two. I don't that's, think he wants that. Great number two. I think he's more okay with it going forward. Um, another team that I think that should get interested in him, but has absolutely nothing they can give up is the Lakers. The Lakers need oh, a playmaker. Fun. That'd be fun. They need a shot creator and a playmaker but and a guy that can make threes, but they have they have no assets. That's a good nothing. fit for me, though. I think the Lakers is a better fit than the Bucks, just because you already have a bunch of star power there on the Lakers. If you put him on the Bucks, he's not the Pippen or the Jordan you're looking for. He's like the Ron Harper or the Steve Kerr that's on that team. He he's not he's not the Pippen. The Lakers cap hell. Oh, oh, it would absolutely just, yeah, would. But they already yeah. are going to be anyway as long as LeBron is They would there. almost have to attach, like, Kuzma and then draft they picks would, every other year have, for the, well, for the next, can't. like, 10 they years. Have, they have no draft picks. But that's what I'm saying. They would have <laughs> Well, no, they would. They could only – I think OKC would trade Chris Paul if you just gave them one or two. I definitely think they would. Mm. The thing was, going into the year especially, teams didn't want to give up compensation. They wanted to just be like, yeah – we will take this guy, but we're not giving you anything back. You're welcome. We're taking his contract. Yeah. That's that's not enough anymore. And at the same time, it benefits OKC kind of trading him because then you can make SGA the point guard. I mean, he was playing the two a lot this year, 
but his future really should be at at point. And then Lou Dort should be at the two. That's really what they should be doing forward. And another player that I can't believe they didn't trade on the expiring contract that they had is Danilo Gallinari, who also, if you trade Chris Paul, you might be able to throw him in if you do a sign-and-trade deal. If you throw Gallinari in with Chris Paul and get him to Milwaukee, that's a different team. That's a whole different team. Mm -hmm. That's one of the best stretch fours we have in the game today. And one of the probably – what I would say is the best pure point guard we've seen since maybe kid, probably yeah. kid. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking true number one, yeah, mm. no, I, no doubt about that. I, I like, I, uh, if like Milwaukee, I see that this is really their only path to being like still favorites in the East. I'm not going to say they'd be, hopeless um but i still think if you get chris paul and Giannis, i think that would still be enough to make betters happy going into the 2020 2021 season and if you can keep middleton you create a fake big three well the pressure's off middleton at that yeah exactly middleton can play freely he can be a spot up guy if you need him to be he'll be better yeah yeah okay see moving forward i think they're going to embrace this rebuild even more. They have so many picks. They have so many picks, and they can get even more. You know, it's almost like since they made it to the playoffs, you know, it takes them out of the lottery. You know, it was almost a blessing in disguise then because they made Chris Paul look a hell of a lot better and more valuable. So now they can almost embrace the rebuild a little bit more, and, they, you know, they gave their fans a nice little playoff run they they were able to enjoy. But, you know, on the on the other side of things, you know, the Rockets – you know, barely escaped, and now they get to go play the Lakers. Yeah. Well, I mean, this – the Rockets will get a, a series of, of fully healthy Russell Westbrook. Yikes. I mean, we'll see. Um, but, I mean, this matchup is, I mean, in a way favorable, um, especially for a guy like James Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, if they, they have play, no perimeter defenders. If they play – exactly. If they play to Harden's strength and, and let Harden – um, you know, shoot without the assist, iso ball. I Like, we could see him have a big series. I'm not going to say they're going to win, but all they really have to do is let Harden shoot, let Harden play Harden-style basketball. It's not Russell Westbrook-style basketball. Play Harden-style basketball and play transition defense. If they can do that, it's a series. It'll be fun. It's not going to be a wrap for the Rockets, but it's it'll, it'll be at least competitive. I agree with that. Um, but uh, you got Lakers in five or six games in this series, max. Like I've got, I've got Lakers in six. I think Houston. I think Houston feels good about themselves. What it might be like a one-one split, and mm-hmm. Houston feels good. Mm-hmm. But then I think the Lakers rip off like three straight. Maybe Houston has a strong three-point shooting night. But also, if the Lakers have a strong three-point shooting night, there's nothing Houston can do. There's no way for them to come back. And really, if the Lakers play into the advantage they have of Anthony Davis, you know, taking on any remote – Tucker. Yeah, they have no bigs. So if they really wanted to, if they game plan, they could just force-feed Anthony Davis in the post, and he could literally just go to town. The whole game. And then if you, 
yeah, then if you switch, so, I'll switch it over to someone else, and it's a mismatch somewhere else, and it's just. It goes back, it goes back to Jesse's biggest thing is that Anthony Davis has to. Play I was just about to say that. It. It's it's is he going to play the center, and is he going to bang in the low post every possession if that's where the mismatch is, or does he start? you know, taking his 18-foot mid-ranges? Does he start taking his three-pointers? If he goes in and decides, I am going to dominate this series from the paint, I am going to gash them, they're already tired. Yeah. Like, they're they're running on empty already, and the Lakers have been sitting back. So I think game one is going to tell us a lot of how this series goes because if Anthony Davis isn't taking advantage of them in game one in the paint, this has the potential to be a long series for the Lakers that they don't like that really hurts them because their two best players on Houston is in the backcourt. The Lakers weakest part of their team by far is the backcourt. They mm. have nobody back there. I would like to um, go back to February 6th, 2020. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers, but this is when the Rockets really debuted the small ball lineup for the first time. Mm -hmm. And they did it in Los Angeles. And Jesse, I don't know, do you remember the results of what happened in that game? I believe Houston, did they they get destroyed? Houston torched them. They torched them, yes. Houston was outstanding. Lakers really had no defensive response to the small ball lineup. Yeah, that and that is that's going to be a problem going. That should, that should especially air people. They, Houston is a much better matchup with the Lakers than they are with the Clippers. I don't think they could hold a, a chance against the Clippers, but the Lakers put around, you know, in their backcourt these defensive guys where none of them play good defense. No. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you cannot put Rondo out there. He literally makes the team worse. Literally, Avery Bradley opting out was huge for them. That's what I was gonna. I was about to say that <laughs> the Rockets MVP for the series is Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley not being there, it's huge. <laughs> it is. It's massive. Um, I mean, I think you'd have to put Caruso out there for like 25, 30 minutes. Caruso, he's your, he's your only defender who plays with any hustle like i've never i don't understand how contavious caldwell pope <laughs> plays defense like he's an offensive superstar like he's like yeah i don't have to play defense because i'm so good on the other end but also he's not good on the other end i will say this um that i like a lot of people i like i've been seeing are still giving tremendous praise to james harden on his defense just cherry picking a few highlights <laughs> he still was not great in that Thunder series. And that's just a myth I like to dispel right here, right now. So my, my thing on Harden is it's not that he's a bad defender. It's he's a good post defender, but he's a shooting guard. <laughs> How like you're a good post defender, but you're also six, six. So realistically you should be a better perimeter defender than you are a post defender because if Anthony Davis is on James Harden and James Harden's their best post defender, Davis should be destroying him. He has like he has six inches on him. Yeah. So then looking at across the other series, right? Clippers, Nuggets. Yeah, it's, it, it's a yeah, wash. Yeah, it's a wash. It's a wash. 
it's over. a wash. Pretty over. You can say like um, Denver didn't shoot as great as they usually do last night, and they're tired. But I don't really care. Kawhi That's Leonard, the thing. They're tired. Doesn't matter. <laughs> when are they going to get their legs back on? Yeah. Even it even matter. if it if it takes them two games to get their legs back under them, cool. They're down two zero to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They have no exactly. one to Kawhi Leonard. Like have fun, enjoy it. Um, they're down to Kawhi Leonard. They're not down watch, to Paul George. Watch a movie. Uh, I don't like it, 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 series is just irrelevant. I don't. <laughs> I mean, for so even through the first. I stopped watching once they, you know, went down by 20. But in the first quarter, Nikola Jokic was making passes like prime Steve Nash. Like, no looks, full-on, like, out-of-post-hook passes, like these insane passes. And Kawhi missed, like, his first three mid-ranges. And they were still only up by one. I was like, if – if Kawhi is missing his shots and Jokic is doing as much as he physically can and Jamal Murray is making his shots and you're not beating them the way Dallas was, like when Luka was making his shots and Kristaps, and they were convincing you that they were, like, good enough to beat them. Denver does not do that. No. I got I got to say, Kawhi is putting himself right back into the conversation of best player in the NBA. Yeah. Um, there was possibly some doubt, but – no matter where he is on the floor, it's you need a bucket. He's got, he's there. Like I, the guy's so good in these situations. He's very versatile. Very versatile. I think, I think it's like going under, you know, reported too. I think to a degree of yeah. how much he's carrying them. Like he is <laughs> carrying them more than he carried Toronto last year by far. By well, far. I, I think everybody is kind of in agreement that if Kawhi stayed in Toronto, it would be better. Like they would be a better team than the Clippers. Paul George has had his troubles. He's gotten better as of late. He has been hitting more shots. I don't trust but, him. I still don't trust Paul George. Yeah, well, that and that's the thing though. But how? But you still feel really good about the Clippers going into the finals, though, Kawhi. because of Kawhi. Because of Kawhi. That's, he's one of those players that if you if you go in with him, like, okay, when the Raptors were up on the Warriors in the finals, yeah. but you heard KD was coming back, people were like, okay, well, this is the swing. This yeah. is it. Yeah, they might be down, but this is KD's back. So good luck, Toronto. And if he doesn't get hurt – they probably win. They probably win those finals. Probably. So Kawhi is on that level of just, if you have this guy on the floor, no matter who else is with him, you feel really good because he can take over a game. I just don't know how much longer Kawhi Kawhi can do this, carrying a team on his own. Like, This is the first time he's really had to do it. And he's doing a great job. And he's doing a great job. And but. he and he did get to sit the regular season a lot, so and that he got true. seven months off. And he got seven months off. So that's true. That's good, but I also agree the long term health of Kawhi can be scary because yeah. in three years down the road, if he decides he's done, because Kawhi is just like, yeah, I'm done. I've won my rings. I've done everything. Whatever. It's not the craziest thing to think. He's one of the quietest guys in the sport. Well, that's the thing. It's but, like once he accomplishes all he wants to, he could be the type of player like, all right, well, yeah. out. And if yeah. he leaves and the Clippers – let's say somehow the Clippers didn't win a championship. If he <laughs> leaves, that's one of the worst trades in the history of the NBA. 
Because first, you yeah. gave up SGA and you gave up about seven, like six or seven first round picks. Yeah. yeah, over a 14-year period almost. Yes. Yeah, it's bad. So but but what's need, on the flip side, if they do win the if championship, they win the then championship, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. It's all worth Absolutely. it. Absolutely. 110% it's all worth it. Then real quick before we wrap up, predictions for each conference finals, who you got the matchup being? Give me, oh. give me Clippers, Lakers in the West. I think we all have Clippers, Lakers, I'm going to um, say. I can't – I don't want to make a prediction on that yet. I need to see how the Lakers play against Houston. I need to see it. Okay. And then East, give me, give me Boston, Miami. I think maybe if if Toronto wins against the Celtics next game, yeah. and they have all the momentum, I think it's Toronto. But if if Boston wins one more game, Toronto's buried. It's 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 over for them. Um, me, oh, go ahead, Joe. Mark, please, please. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Lakers, Clippers, for sure. That's my lock. Give me Miami, Toronto. I'm sticking with Toronto. I, I have faith in that Toronto team. I don't, I don't like yeah. them, but I have faith in that Toronto team. Clark, I'm in the same boat with you. Toronto, Miami for the East, and then the Battle of L.A. for the West. Or Joseph? Give me Heat. Easy. Give me Boston. Give me the Clippers. You know what? Don't. No, I'm going to do it. You're going to do it? All right. going to do it. Oh, baby. Clippers Rockets. Wow. I think the Clippers would love that. The Clippers would absolutely <laughs> oh, yeah, love sure. that. They built, the... team, they built a team to beat the other team, and they don't even finish it. They don't even they, – they, the, the Rockets built a team to beat the 2017 Warriors, and the 2017 Warriors aren't playing anymore since yeah. 2020. If you had to pick the Nuggets or the Rockets, you're obviously going to go Rockets, so I can't be too upset about yeah. that. But, like, to advance. But, hey, I like, I like the pick, Joe. I like it. I do. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we got for this episode. Coming up on the schedule, we have a wrestling recap. Probably will drop Sunday. And then probably either Tuesday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, we'll be dropping an NFL kickoff preview. So make sure to stay tuned for that. So, Clark, make sure you tell everybody where they can uh, listen and watch us. Yes, sir. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You guys know the drill. We hit the 30 subscribers that Justin wanted. Um, if, I, if we get to 100 subscribers by Christmas, I said I'm doing the word. If we get to 100 and... 20 justin's gonna do the 2c slide what no um yes. yep. <laughs> yep yep that, that 100, is what was agreed on. 120 subscribers by new year's justin will do the 2c slide you guys are making bot accounts tonight then i guess <laughs> or, or which one do you want to do the 2c slide or the wap dance I i'll do the 2c like slide it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know subscribe to us on youtube we have plenty of content planned like justin just said subscribe on apple podcast subscribe on spotify um, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at department underscore pod. We really appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you in the next episode.